Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Healing from Harmony Hall. I'm delighted today to be talking to two woofers who are staying at Harmony Hall at the moment, and they're called Mahalia and Abby. They're basically helping with organic farming around Europe, and I am starting out like a fledgling organic farm very much at the concept stage at the moment, but they're very knowledgeable about animals and they've been helping a lot with Windy and loving and admiring the dogs, which are obviously ups the ante here no end. And so there's a great vibe with them around and they've been sharing their understanding and what they've noticed travelling all around and originally from America or maybe even further afield. But we'll get to that Uh, So it follows on really nicely from last week when we were talking about the importance of organic growing and and eating, most importantly. It's been a really brilliant and busy time here at Harmony Hall because there's so many different things going on. Putting this show together and becoming a manager of the Creating Calm Network, which basically involves trying to think of ways of how we can make the most coherent sort of educational programs really for raising awareness and teaching about all the things that are happening in the world and how we can be empowered in participating consciously and effectively within the present moment for ourselves, with our families and relationships and with the bigger picture of what's happening around the planet and possibly even around the galaxy. Well, definitely, actually. So if you want to know more about what's happening at Harmony Hall, the retreats that are happening this year here, they're happening in February, March, April, May. They're weekenders. We're dealing with, gosh, body work and a complete energy clearing and offering chef-prepared vegan detox, which is such a big part of the, the word we're trying to spread about how we can live harmlessly, how we can live with compassion and yet everything be totally tasty, full of great choices uh, and great fun. So to be vegan doesn't take away the party atmosphere around here, I can guarantee that much. So that's at www.healingbyfrank.com and obviously I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and all the time, really, just sharing my blog, uh, which is always about oneness and about peace, and also raising awareness to try and balance any injustices that might be going on and, and maybe a bit perpetuated, <laughs> simply by people not knowing beforehand. So that's the thing about this program, is that I'm always saying things that will be almost like a remembered wisdom, something you've half known all the time and hopefully encouraging you to revise and revisit uh, what you've already actually understand. You're all old souls and this isn't the first time we've been around the block. So that's uh, hopefully an empowerment down the line. And the other things that go on at Harmony Hall, I'm still teaching piano a bit. I've got some new energy clearing clients, uh, 
some distance, some who are turning up in person and a couple of major space clearings afoot uh, straight into the centre of major cities and clearing some of the density of the energy there for key people who are ready to look at, you know, perhaps who has lived around their place or what history surrounds their place and what geopathic environmental stuff is going on underneath their homes or offices and, and heal that. But first we've got some great high energy uh, friends to talk to today and I'm going to start with Mahalia's newest song and here it is live from Harmony Hall. Great. Have to listen out for. Have you got a pseudonym or just your own name? Or just my own name. Yeah. <laughs> Say it really slowly so people can look out for on billboards or just. <laughs> Mahalia Lind Diamond. Oh. <laughs> got to hit the Unless big time. I come up with something better, but that's yeah. it for now. <laughs> Any part of it is is nice. Mm-hmm. If you were just Mahalia, Mahalia. Be, maybe I'll just go by that. Be loads yeah. or diamond. Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> You got we got the princess of pop, we got the queen of pop, hey. and now we've got the diamond. <laughs> the diamond <of> pop. <laughs> so, uh, what's your surname again? Zulak. Zulak. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean? Um, mine is Croatian for on the seashore. 
Gosh, that's nice. <laughs> that's no idea what Mine just means something like uh, <laughs> at the bottom of a field in a stream. Oh, it's really? Close to, the, close to the beach. Yeah, Maybe that's there's true. not quite as much of a vista. <laughs> but that's great. So I'm speaking to Mahalia and Abby today about woofing, and they're on a, an amazing mission around Europe for the past five months. And so the lights have them at Harmony Hall uh, to help with proceedings. And I've said all my animals are out of control and they're never coming back. <laughs> oh, no, no, hang on. Is that what you said? No, it wasn't quite that. But uh, will you tell us a little bit about what woofing is, just in case it's not all the listeners don't know exactly what it is? Yeah. So WOOF stands for Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Um, I think it's they have it in 99 countries. Um, yeah. And basically you just sign up. Um, online per country, and you get a list of hosts, and you can send them emails. Right. Pay an annual fee of around 30 euro, depending on whichever country it is. Brilliant. Yeah, and then you have access to the host list, and you can email farms, read about them, and and the farmers. and People need stuff doing all year round, because you're either, what, looking after animals in the winter or harvesting something in the summer. Yes. And then you can go around the world where the different seasons happening at any given moment. Yeah. Is that- <laughs> so uh, how did you plan it, or what made you think it was a good idea? How did we... The first time that it came up was I was... We had just met, and we were talking in our kitchen, jokingly, about how I was like, yeah, I just feel sometimes, you know, my friends and I from high school talked about just having, like, a pirate band and just going around the world, <laughs> and I was like, and I know this girl who took her accordion with her to Europe and was just working um, on organic farms occasionally and, like, playing her accordion on the street, and I was like, maybe I'll just do that, and Molly, do you want to join me? So it was like a joke. <laughs> yes. And then we decided... Suddenly you manifested it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say a pirate band. Is that, like, literally a ship and, like, a patch over your eye, or, like, a pirate okay. radio? <laughs> For <laughs> like the actual ship. My friend Anna was 100% convinced and still is convinced that one day we'll all be living on a boat together somewhere and we'll be <laughs> playing in a pirate band and <laughs> bring my accordion. But Mahalia met- is the only one who's actually followed through. Seen it through. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look like a pirate. But yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. I did. Uh, I have met people in the past who are quite obsessed by uh, owning a ship because they're yeah. sure that the waters are going to arise above, around all the lands, and they want to be ready. Really? And uh, I don't know. It's, I don't want to be scaremongering. It's quite a good idea, but Once none of them would I want together. to be on a ship with. <laughs> <laughs> it would be at least very good fun to just be on a boat and wandering around for a little bit. That'd be cool. Playing music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the high seas, I mean, if you think about, you know, you've arrived here kind of just beginning of the 2nd, wasn't it, of January. Yeah. And so... Uh, there's been such storms, hasn't there, that you wouldn't really want to be on a boat. Probably not. It wouldn't be enjoyable. (laughs) So where did you go? And and you you had a mixed experience, because although I'd have said that every organic farm, every farm really, uh, would need help at any given moment, Mm -hmm. it hasn't all come together. They haven't been there at the train station going absolutely, definitely come on down. Why do you think that's happened or... Um, well, it's actually interesting because the last farm we were on with Howard, Abby asked him um, what he looks for in woofers, and he actually looks for people with farming experience, Mm -hmm. and yeah, basically farming experience, um, and that's not really what I think woof 
necessarily requires. It's yeah. a learning experience, so you don't have to have farming experience. Um, but I think but some how you farms, might get farming experience. Exactly, yeah. but I think some farms want that. Want people who know what they're doing or. So yeah, what would farming to... experience be? Would it be like able to drive a tractor or... I mean, you were planting copious trees, weren't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, we were planting trees. I've well, only ever managed to dig one hole sufficient for trees. <laughs> yeah. How many did you manage? Oh, man, we must have planted at least... We planted 10 in a day, and we did that twice, so about 20 each. Yeah, so 40 Gosh, trees. That total. is a really good effort. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. did he elaborate on what... Um, farming experience might seem be like. He talked a lot about how basically he was looking for people who grew up on farms, essentially. Right. So people who knew how a farm worked and just knew kind of offhand what a farm would need, I suspect. So kind of had the rhythm of the farm down, you know. Yes. Um, so I think that was more along the lines of it and used to the lifestyle, I yes. think, because I think he didn't quite like, I don't think he disliked it, but basically the vibe that I got was that he didn't like taking on city girls. He referred to us as urban Americans one time. Yeah. And that was, you know, kind of, it almost felt like an insult when he said Well, absolutely. It. Well, everything that he said sounds like an insult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was a particularly bizarre woofer, <laughs> woof host. But, um, but, yeah, I think the reason why the other ones, because we had four planned altogether. Um, the one in Turkey, I know this sounds morbid, but I suspect that she passed away. Because she was, uh, <laughs> she just absolutely, completely stopped responding to us, and she was in her 80s, yeah. and she was living alone on an olive farm in the middle of, like, southern Turkey, and she accepted us and had talked to us in the past, and then, like, three months before we were supposed to go there, just never responded to anything that we said, and yeah. she would need help during the olive harvest, so I suspect she either found someone or she passed away. I'm not sure. Yes. And then in Italy, I highly suspect the way that they responded didn't make any sense, so I highly suspect that they found someone else that they thought was more suitable. Yes. So, but Mahali can talk more about that since she got the emails. Yes. I mean, we had had multiple email exchanges yeah. where we confirmed that we were still coming and they confirmed that they still wanted us and they told us how to get there and what train to take and two days before we were supposed to go, they just they said you didn't respond to the last email, so we thought you weren't coming, and also no one here speaks English, so it wouldn't work anyways. Um, yes. So it was it's really left absolute, you in the lurch, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, I would definitely never turn you away. God knows. <laughs> it's, it's such a great opportunity. Yeah. To, if you have animals and responsibilities, you're tied to a place, which, which every farmer is, yeah. with, with, with jobs to do every day, to have, you know, one day or a, a yeah. series of days when you're not, where you can delegate that to somebody else, is, is a, a, ma- a massive opportunity yeah. and, and uh, make, makes it all possible. And are there hundreds of people doing it? Yeah. Thousands of people yeah. doing this. There are so many farms. Like the farm list in France alone, when I had with France, which we had a great experience in, Wolf for, in, in France for Wolf, but... Um, the list itself was split up by, like, county or province. Yes. And um, each province had, must have had, each of them must have had over, between 20 and 150 farms on it. Oh, wow. So, and there was probably 50 provinces set up in France, like, mm-hmm. on the WOOF website. So there's thousands of farms that are needing help. And there's, you know, we sent out messages to so many people, and people were already booked up for, you know, oh. Yeah. the following year. So it's kind, kind of, of working as a system. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It also seems pretty popular in Ireland as well. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people that we've talked to, we've kind of mentioned 
oh, we're farming just outside of Gort or wherever it was. Um, and they're like, oh, or yeah, they said, oh, are you doing woof? Which yeah. is surprising because usually when we tell people that we're doing woof, they're like, I don't know what that is. So, <laughs> yeah. So people know about it. People know about it here, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's a, a brilliant thing. And it was, it was funny that it happened um, that you came here at the same time as uh, I've been talking to the High Bank Organic Farm, yeah. the lovely place in, in Kilkenny, uh, about the importance of organic growing and the trials and tribulations, uh, which sounds like there aren't really any. Yeah, we, we kind of led to believe that it's, it's so much harder work because you don't have the, uh, um, you have to take the, you know, each slug off by hand. And but yeah. but I spoke to him. He said that actually it, uh, nature balances itself out, so it's pretty much the same amount of work. However, however you're doing it, yeah. uh, it's just uh, considerably healthier if yeah. you're not uh, right. using sprayed or, or, or picking sprayed vegetables. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but it, it was also lovely to hear that back at the ranch. Well, I, I know you don't actually live on a ranch, but that's um, <laughs> <laughs> a favourite expression of mine. Back at the ranch, you were also involved in at, at one time in uh, animal rights. I mean, that's something mm. you feel strongly about or just did at the time or was one particular occasion that was well for me I was vegan for a really long time um vegetarian before that but mostly vegan um and I think especially having known someone who worked at um farm sanctuary in New York where they take in animals that have been neglected or basically fallen through the holes of the food industry I'm really passionate about changing the American food system and the way we treat animals and I think it's something that I'm definitely still passionate about. Um, and living in Seattle, it's really easy to um, forget that it's not as humane as uh, what I'm used to around it's a bit the world. It's anesthetized, is it? Because it's, everything's just packaged and arrived. Is that right? Or? Well, in Seattle, um, people are very, very aware of their food. Okay. So you, have, you meet a lot of people who are vegan. You meet a lot of people who are, you know, um, working on organic animal farms or working on organic dairy farms, people who do raw milk, very passionate about it. Um, so it's awesome because, you know, that not everywhere in the world is like that, where mm. they, you know, respect the animal and respect what they, you know, get from it or, you know, respect that it is an animal, animal and they don't want to take anything from it, so they'll, you know, choose plants instead. Um, so it's great to do woof and be part of something overseas as well. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and be but, in a different environment for that. But I um, remember you were saying that there had been an occasion when you had got uh, – the uh, Peter, the people just keeping yeah. animals down involved. What was that occasion again? Because that was sounds like you were on a mad vigilante mission that I absolutely <laughs> love, <laughs> and everyone would love to hear about. Oh, that was there? yeah, that was really crazy. So basically, um, I was going to a school in Florida called Florida Atlantic University, and I was attending the Honors College, um, which is a small campus, um, an hour south of or an hour north of Boca, the main campus. And we were closely attached to Scripps, which was a research center. So a lot of our students, and this was a very small campus, would go over there and do um, medical research or pharmaceutical research, just as uh -oh. like an internship kind of stuff. And because I was the founder of my tiny little <laughs> animal rights club, I was curious about it. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I'd be interested to know what kind of um, animal research they'd be doing and if they're using animals for their medical research. So mm -hmm. I researched scripts and it's a California-based company who actually had a lot of really a horrible reputation for using chimpanzees and basically not feeding them enough and doing horrible, just dangerous and completely unnecessary operations on them. 
Yeah, exactly. And be giving them horrible medication. Yeah. Untested drugs. Exactly. So, and that was the California campus, but the Florida campus had no bad reputation because it was so new. So I basically asked them, and I asked a bunch of different people and took a bunch of different pathways to, like, sort of see what they were doing. And I was like, what kind of animal research are you doing? You know, if you're using rats, are you using chimpanzees? Is it, you know, what is it exactly that you're doing? And they wouldn't give me any information. They just shut me down. So then I started to um, try to do some protests with the local... um, uh, anarchist group that was heavily against scripts in the first place. Yes. So I was doing protests with them, and then my um, school, like the school organizers that I was working with to operate my club, were basically like, you need to stop because this is the only scripts is whatever they're doing doesn't matter because they are the only thing that is making enough money for our campus to stay alive because our campus was so small, it was basically being run down by the main campus. So they're like, if you want your school to stay alive, you need to stop doing this. So I was like, well, this is crazy. I just can't Tie believe you in that. a knot, yes. Yeah. And I was like, I just can't believe that my, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm literally asking them what kind of research are you doing. Yes. So PETA was doing this runaround thing around the United States where they basically were going to different campuses and helping students out by participating in more protests, basically giving them the Ammunition. back of PETA. Yeah. yeah. So they were going around... Um, the country and I contacted them and I was like, hey, like, you know, if you'd be interested, I'd love to go down to the main campus and do a protest down there and see just what people, how people would respond. And where was the main campus? Oh, back an hour. Yeah, an hour south country, because yeah. people on my campus knew kind of what I was talking about and they were like, yeah, whatever, like, you know, we're, because I in knew people. In principle behind you. In principle, yeah. but I also need this internship to get into grad school kind of mm. thing. And my roommate was doing studies on rats. And she was telling me that she, like, knew that what they were definitely using animals, but she couldn't tell you any more than that. So we went down to the campus, and I was working with PETA, and we basically got kicked off the campus for <laughs> because we hadn't organized the protest through the main campus. So they were like, no, you can't be on the campus, blah, 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 like, with PETA, and we don't even know who these people are. But it was kind of great because we, they ended up doing um, – I'm not sure 100% what ended up happening with the animal research, but um, they never really said anything. But Scripps has since then gotten a lot of flack for basically destroying the environment around that campus. Interesting. So it got a lot more people interested in what Scripps was even doing in the name of, you know, Florida Atlantic University because they were getting funding from our school. So our tuition fees were paying for whatever they were doing and also keeping my tiny campus alive. So it was really bizarre to realize that the way that we treat animals is so politically you know, tied in with what we pay for with school, so. Yes, and you find you're paying for something that you, you and there's no transparency about around what's actually happening. Exactly. And the, the other thing I remember that you said was that was frustrating is you don't mind, you, you, uh, you don't, well, you, you might well mind what's happening, <laughs> but, uh, but actually why not, why not let there be a transparency? If it is yeah. okay... You know, if it's, if everyone's okay with what's happening in that facility, mm-hmm. then the people should be able to stand by it exactly. and talk about it. If, and if they're kind of, no, I'm not going to tell you, that it's like saying it's it's too horrible to put into words. It makes me wonder yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Like, why yeah. won't you just tell me? But that was the craziest part is that I just didn't get an answer from anyone. And I specifically remember one conversation on the phone with a woman um, and I don't remember which department I called, but I called basically Department of Testing, like yeah. pharmaceutical testing or something like that. And I asked her, I was like, hey, I, you know, I don't know who I'm calling. I'm just calling random numbers, but I'm really curious about animal testing and what Scripps is doing. And could you give me like a phone number for blah, blah, blah? 
and she kind of panicked on the phone. She's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't, I don't, you're not talking to the right person. You'd have to talk to my boss because I don't know, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you anything. And I was yeah. like, well, this is weird. And I was just like, well, if you want to like give me the email to your boss or put him on the phone. I was like, I'm just asking questions. I'm doing like a school project. Yes. And um, she was like, I don't, I, I'll give you his email, but like, uh, can I have your email instead? And like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, just give him my phone number. She was really stressed out, like a young girl. And did like, he co- contact you? No. Nobody contacted me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, I want to pause for a moment because I suddenly had a flashback to the pirate ship. And <laughs> I remember with the accordion. And I'm going to get you to play a song. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, sure. Fantastic. Marley's going to play a song now. But I'm going to pause for a split second. So while we get the guitar out, I'm sure it's perfectly tuned already. <laughs> Hang on a second. Yeah. Lovely. You've got such a gorgeous voice. Oh, so thank you. Clear. <laughs> yeah, it, it 
you, it carries, but it's it's very gentle, oh, lovely voice. Thank you. And uh, did you write that song? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And you're obviously madly in love with someone at the time. <laughs> Can't talk about it right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Confidential information. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you'd like to do in the future, to, to be writing songs? And yeah, I, I would. I've, I'm really bad at finishing songs. <laughs> it's the only one I've ever finished, actually. Um, but I would like to get more into writing songs, definitely. Well, maybe you can just be the ideas woman. And, yeah. uh, and then someone who can produce it can, uh, <laughs> can round it up nicely. Finish it up for me. That would be a nice. big <laughs> brass section or there you go. 48-piece orchestra <laughs> in a 400 grand a day recording studio. Yeah, I like five of that. <laughs> and you can just give it your blessing at the end. Yeah, perfect. And have your face maybe on the on the cover. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a thumb. Some other body parts. That's like Don McLean. It's like, yeah. and that was a classic album. I can't remember now what it's called, but American Pie. You can't oh. argue with that yet. Yeah. But uh, he just has his thumb, I'm sure of it. I mean, you obviously have to get a bit more established. <laughs> I have to work on that a little bit. So get famous, Mahalyak. Bye. I'm, I'm working on it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And so, I mean, I'm kind of interested in, because at your age, which is early 20s, and, and where you're from, which is Seattle, mm-hmm. and but you've lived all, Abby's lived all over the world because of a military family, mm-hmm. and just, are your ideas representative of your friends' ideas? Because, you know, you've obviously got a definite care in the world, and you, know, you care about what's happening with the environment, with the water we were talking about with animals, with music, uh, is that what everybody is like, or are you the exception to the norm of, of, say, your peer group? I think that I am the norm, having grown up in Seattle, because it's definitely normal to be politically active and environmentally aware and um, there's also a really big music scene in Seattle, so I I would say that I'm a huge vegan scene in Seattle. So. Yeah, that too. I would mm-hmm. say that I'm probably a product of where I'm from, and my parents as well. My mom moved to Seattle from California, and she was kind of a hippie and wanted to choose a naturopath. Life. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Naturopath. She was a naturopath. Yeah, and um, naturopath in, is when you uh, eat yourself well. Is that is that right? She was a homeopathic doctor, yeah. basically. So, um, yeah, she was very aware of her health and um, really wanted to help people, but in a natural way, not with Western medicine, but more yeah. Eastern medicine and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that how I was raised and the people I was raised around definitely affected the things that I'm interested in now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. And I mean, it makes me feel very hopeful for the for the future, you know, yeah. that you come from such a, a, a culture that we associate with, um, you know, greedy people being successful uh, on big business and lo- high achieving and, uh, and superficial goals. And those, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm, there's a lot more, obviously, to American culture than that, but yeah. you know, it is, there is an association there. So yeah. it's great to hear that, that that's totally standard practice to be be aware and be um, 
a well-balanced individual who cares about more than just their own success. Yeah, right yeah, from the start. yeah a special place, a good place for that. Okay. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, and what about what about you? Where of all the places that you spent time as a child and and, and in school, where where did you like the attitude <laughs> best from? <laughs> I think the, the I think well I think Seattle suits me the best. Um, but I think that just from my childhood, Okinawa was a really inspiring place to live for that because Okinawan people are considered, I mean, they're famous for being the longest-lived people in the entire world. So, um, And they're also having experienced a horrible war wherein they basically were standby victims of two huge nations coming in and, you know, wreaking havoc and tragedy in, on their tiny island. Um, it's really inspiring. Is that where the nuclear test was? Done. No, it's um, the Battle of Okinawa was um, one of the turning points in the war, specifically between the United States and Japan during World War II. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, both nations came in and just wreaked havoc. And the Okinawans basically were like, "Dude, we live here. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are we supposed to do?" And a lot of people. I mean, I won't go into the whole thing, but long story short, the Okinawans were used kind of as um, toys between soldiers because the Japanese would tell them, "Oh, the Americans are going to get you," and the Americans would from what I know, go in to try to help them. And I'm also American, so the history I've been taught might be different. We'd go in to try to help them, and then the Okinawans would be like, no, like we're you know supporting the Japanese because you guys are going to hurt us all and all this stuff. So, um, Yeah, a lot of manipulation and very... A lot. Afraid. And it, I, it's, I'm delighted to hear <laughs> that you've actually been to Okinawa because it's my favorite uh, oh, really? vegan um, kind of supporting story that people in Okinawa live um, the longest and they have an average lifespan of 100 years and their main food source is uh, sweet potatoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I've been running with it for ages. I didn't even know where Okinawa True. was and you've actually been there. It's fantastic. It's so great. Cool yeah, they're just the nicest people, the nicest people I've ever met my wow. entire life. So it's not even just about their diet, which I'm sure their diet has a huge part to do with it, but they just have a beautiful mindset and they're Spirituality is based on, um, because they're not Japanese people, so they're not particularly like of the Shinto religion necessarily, yeah. um, which is not necessarily to say that that's worse or better, but their religion specifically is based on um, peaceful um, uh, reflection on their ancestors and caring about their family and like sort of being as appreciative of the things that they have as they can be and also just yeah. being as kind as physically possible. So they're just the kindest people that you'll ever meet. And um, yeah, Okinawa was probably one of the most inspiring places and not because they're politically active or Seattle's yeah. very different because Seattle is very much like, hey, we're excited about this and we're excited to change the world and we're going to go do it. Brilliant. The Okinawan people specifically are just like, hey, we're just here living our lives and we're having a good time. And if you're here, have a good time with us and eat our sweet potatoes. <laughs> 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 uh, that's that's a bit like how I felt about Jamaica. They're oh. they're really living a different life. You know, it's a real insight into how you can live because we're so used to going after whether it's positive change or um, or happiness or money or relationships. There's a, a culture of going after things and achieving. You know, we talked about it, milestones and in in life and quite driven, quite motivated. You know, I mean, you'll have had to save a considerable amount of money to come away and see the world you know, of your yeah. own volition. And, uh, and so we're all kind of motivated, whereas in uh, Jamaica, like what you say about Okinawa, they're just living their lives and glad of what they have, what is 
nature is providing for them. And well, God knows, maybe the Caribbean, it's easier. <laughs> Yet another <Nice>. gorgeous day. <laughs> and what's the climate like in Okinawa? Um, hot, muggy. I mean, it's a jungle. Um, basically, it's an island full of jungle and rocks. So all that grows there is sweet potatoes. But um, <laughs> <laughs> <And> they have <laughs> still delighted with it. Exactly. <laughs> and they have gorgeous beaches, and it's very hot most of the year. Like it doesn't really get cold in the winter time, and then it's hit by typhoons during typhoon season. Um, mm. So everything's kind of torn apart um, once a year, and then they sort of just rebuild things back together over the course of yeah. <laughs> the next year. Or so. And what age-ish were you there from? Between the ages of seven and fourteen. Well, very formative. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, and uh, the other thing, I mean, it's a big, a big ask, but um, I was, when you were talking about spirituality there, I remembered that you are a fantastic, fledgling, psychic, total reader of tarot cards. <laughs> yeah. And I wondered if we should do like a reading for the whole whole world. <laughs> we can no try pressure. it. <laughs> yeah, we should try it as an experiment. Yeah, we should try it. That would be fun. Because, I mean, so what I'm often doing with the show it's actually seeing what comes up, and it might be that uh, the freedom of the, the pirate lifestyle <laughs> and, the, and the music and the creativity of writing your, own, writing your own songs and the allowing a simple diet to be a, a totally happy outcome, or, you know, all yeah. those things have come up. And what I do from, from my position of, of energy healing is to say, okay, can I clear any resistance simultaneously to people adopting or allowing these things to express through them as well. There's lots of people, I mean, every second person hopes to you know, write something or, or perform or be successful or be, be creative. You know, everyone's loved something as a child and then mm. kind of put it to one side as they get older because they've got responsibilities or haven't got time or whatever it is. So today it would be about clearing people's blocks to doing, following their creative wishes and and in the meantime should we attempt a, yeah, a I'll reading? Go grab my cards. brilliant so we're going to do a tarot card reading and and we're going to focus on maybe what the world needs to hear right now or how do you approach the what's your approach well i my approach as of recently has been to focus on basically what whoever i'm reading for or the world <laughs> needs to hear yeah. um and previously i was told by another tarot reader that after 2012 things changed and things aren't set in stone anymore so reading the future actually is um not really a craft that's as easy to <laughs> to do mm -hmm. anymore because things have changed so um I thought that was interesting, and I found it to ring true for a few different people that I've read for. So since then, I've focused on basically asking what is it, what sort of advice can we get right now that would help us in the future, as opposed to what am I, what can I expect for my future? Yes, and it's kind of an offering guidance. And what I loved about that is I, I, I never wanted to know the future because yeah. I felt like that was going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And what the energy work has done for me is the fact that you can change the outcome because you, once you've, when you have the guidance and the self-awareness and the objectivity and everything starts to expand, you're not following the same relentless kind of karmic patterns that you might yeah. have been heading towards a certain outcome or a certain future that would have been written there, yeah. you know, clear as day in the cards. Whereas the more conscious we become, 
the more we can master our emotions and make conscious creations. Yeah. And then God knows what we might come up with <laughs> if we can apply ourselves. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. The self-fulfilling prophecy thing is interesting, too. The last thing I'll say about it, but my, um, I've had multiple people ask me, is it okay if I want to change that? I don't want that to happen. I'm like, oh, of course. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is just, you know, it's just advice. It's not any sort of just guaranteed happen. So, Great. I like the... Um, the sound effects. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're moving like lightning, the cars, by the way. <laughs> I've never done a reading for the world before, but it feels cool. Brilliant. Thanks. I guess talking about the way that it feels like things work when I'm doing it, I feel like I'm connecting with the energy of the cards and the energy of myself and then the energy of whoever I'm reading for. So it's interesting to try to connect with the energy of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a definite exercise in oneness. Yeah. You know, that feeling that you are connected to everything at one go. And I like the way that you asked for some candles. Yeah. Or a candles. Uh, but obviously I want to provide more than you asked. <laughs> three candles. But is that to give, set a tone of sacred? Um, I suspect, I've noticed that I do well with um, certain crystals that I have, um, and I notice that I do well with fire. So whether it's burning incense or having a candle, I notice that it sort of um, tightens my clearness, mm. like things feel a little bit clearer. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why, but if I dared venture a hypothesis, I would suspect that it has something to do with me being an Aries. <laughs> and I'm such a fiery person. So it feels good to be surrounded by my kin. <laughs> oh, I like it. Oh, hang on a minute. Are you a fiery person? Am I a fiery person? Yeah, what? Capricorn. The Capricorn. Yeah, I don't think that's Do you know fire. what that is? I can't remember, actually. I think it might be um, Earth. I've been thinking it's Earth. And I think I'm air. So I think we've got the oh, elements. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been nothing without all three. <laughs> <laughs> That Don Juan is an Aquarius, and he has a little water to mix. Fantastic. Well, Don Juan. Right? <laughs> he says, I'm, I'm not actively involved, but God knows I'm definitely here. I'll always lend him here. <laughs> it's interesting, because essentially what the cards would make me believe is that this is a time period of recovering and sort of keeping still at a standstill, um, because... A lot of, a lot of sort of connected with with one's connectedness with oneself has been lost. So this is a time period to sort of recover and sort of take a break from um, producing mm. um, or moving forward. So rather, not to say that in the past we've been moving backwards, but to say that we've sort of lost the path of some sort is what it feels like. And the Empress comes up, which is interesting in combination for me with the Moon reversed because the moon reversed to me in this reading specifically implies a lack of connection with our inner selves but also the empress coming up would imply to me that we need more of a mothering nature at this point in time interesting so and the high priestess as well which is great but previously the ace of swords came up which is one of my favorite cards only because it's <laughs> It's about productivity, <laughs> and I love that. Um, but it also came up with the 
um, Nine of Wands, which represents sort of staying still and keeping your guard up a little bit. So, so would that be coming back to a, a, a stillness, everyone coming back to their inner stillness? I think so. That's and what it Their soul intention, their connection to their soul, would yeah. it be? I think it feels to me, I'm going to do a little bit more, but it feels a little bit like we're at this point with the universe or the world. We've sort of lost a little bit of our connectedness with ourselves and potentially with some sort of higher power. Um, and now is the time to sort of just take a break from all the, the busyness, all the craziness that's going on. Um, that's what it feels like to me. But Great. It's also about productivity, and it feels very productive, but it doesn't feel productive right now. It feels productive in the future. Oh. But I, I feel like we need to take a break to think, which is interesting. Time of reflection. Yeah. Time of reflection, but also... Emerging from the ashes. Yeah. From the old paradigm of. to the new. Yeah. <laughs> it feels... But it's also interesting because I wouldn't... I'm going to do one more part about the emerging from the ashes bit because it does kind of feel like emerging from the ashes, but it doesn't feel like anything's been destroyed or like anything's beyond repair. Yeah, beyond repair. But it feels oh, interesting. Hmm. Is that the moon? <laughs> it is in the picture. It's the Six of Cups, which is also reversed. And then the High Priestess again. It's funny because it's a full moon tonight. The first yeah. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Definitely about getting a huge sense of remaining still and sort of um, counting and thinking and calculating um, and sort of taking, before taking the next step, sort of thinking about it beforehand, taking a break to breathe. Um, but it feels very positive, which is great. It also feels like a very um, creative time period as well. Well, I think that great. that brings. Um, like good news in my ears as yeah. well because it, all the things that we're hearing and putting together are, are like a vision, mm -hmm. you know, at the moment. You can, uh, you know, if you take, the, take them individually, it's like, oh, no, did you hear what's happening about the bonuses or the, yeah. you know, the, the water or the animals? You know, each thing on its own is, uh, feels like it needs to change. Yeah. But if people can achieve that stillness, with that level of awareness, what could emerge is a coherent vision. Yeah. You know, that's for a way forward. If if we don't, we're gonna stay in the drama of how how bad that new awareness or that new information is. And I'm sure it's not new information, but to many people it it will be in one area or another. Yeah. And uh so yeah, I can totally picture the stillness being a time where we're assimilating what we know now and making better decisions yeah. you know, for the, on a grand scale for the, you know, hopefully, the environment for everybody. Totally. And I think, too, that that's, I don't know much about, um, I mean, if, even if we're just talking about the food industry, I feel like the food industry got out of hand, even just talking to you and Yanni about it the other day, only 50 years ago, you know, yeah. and it's sort of starting to get back in, I mean, it's a, definitely a battle, but it's sort of starting to get, people are infinitely more aware of what's going on and how they want to change it and where their votes and their money should go. So now is definitely a time to change that kind of stuff. I feel like yeah. we have the knowledge and drive to change. <laughs> if the food industry is just one example, but, you know, to change that now. 
And I, I hope that this, out of that stillness, I mean, I, I see, it, it, I like the fact that you use that word because it's one of my favourite words for oneness. So underneath mm. the polarity of negative and positive, I, 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 judgments about energy and manifestations we've created, underneath that, I always describe a stillness, which is the oneness where everything is neither good nor bad, it's just the fabric from which everything can emerge, yeah. it, everything it is created from that. And so I think, I suppose what, uh, what I would feel is that for each person, if each person can come back to a stillness, with, uh, the, my, uh, the difference would be that either we're going to get really disempowered mm-hmm. and, and, and disillusioned and worried about how people, only if they have a huge amount of money, are deciding what happens next. Yeah. And so we say we can have like a mad pharmaceutical world where we're like, oh yeah, I think that's okay to eat. Although God knows it was you know, made in a you know a chemical plant and yeah. <laughs> and only, and only ten minutes research commissioned by Monsanto on whether it's actually <laughs> edible or not. But yes, I'd love some. Thanks very much. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it, we could get totally disempowered and uh, and you know have to uh, and and get overwhelmed by the new information and our apparent smallness and inability to do anything about it, or we can get totally empowered. But to get totally empowered, we have to come back to our connection to ourselves, realise how we are uh, a, a serious contender and participator yeah. in this fabric of oneness and and then do something from that position, from that powerful position. But, yeah, that's very exciting. Okay. So um, you feel there's hope for us yet as a yeah a species. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, so I decided to just pull one last hand, and I thought it was interesting because um, the final conclusion essentially came up with the universe, the seven of cups, and then the princess of wands, which was really interesting because I'm I'm choosing to interpret the. Um, ringing of the universe as uh, representing the universe itself, and then the seven of cups usually represents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what of the universe? Um, what does it say? What does it say? It's um, it just says the universe. Oh right, but, so well, that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can mean a lot of different things, but yeah. it feels like it's the universe talking about itself. Um, yeah. And the seven of cups, which generally represents a level of confusion, mm. um, and sort of lost in your own thoughts. Not necessarily confusion because something is blocking you, but more like you're blocking yourself. Yeah. Um, and then the Princess of Wands, which is great, actually, and um, one that comes up in Trina's readings all the time. Um, <laughs> but um, it's basically the wands represent creation, and the princess is, you know, sort of like the child version of the queen. Cool. Um, so yeah. it's sort of like the beginning of massive feminine creation, Brilliant. which is fantastic. So, And that was the final card that came up as the conclusion, which is great in my opinion that is great so uh, although both men and women have the faculties it's uh, probably an emphasis on the on the on the faculties of intuition mm-hmm. and uh and mothering and, yeah. and because those unconditional were those love and forgiveness as a way forward because yeah because it, we've come from such a place of of, of judgment yeah that there's, we're going to have to take a, a definite leap of faith to include Every everybody in the future vision. Yeah. Um, so now it's that's very exciting, and it just reminds me of something I was 
talking about with the organic farmers as well is that it's a totally different perspective. The old perspective um, of, of, of the and the chemical uh, farming perspective is that you kill what you don't want. You get rid of what you don't want. And, and I was listening to it and I was thinking that exactly, that goes across the board, you know, in terms of medicine. You have something wrong with you, you try and get rid of it. You know, if you have, um, uh, <laughs> if you have a, you know, a, a job or a boss or a friend, you know, that is doing your head, you try and get rid of it. Yeah. Rather, whereas in organic farming and in, um, you know, bio- biodynamic farming and in uh, holistic living, you try and find a balance. Yeah. between all the different energies in your life and and see how they are affecting something in you. And so yeah. it's actually a whole perspective that it can come to the surface yeah. now. So that's, that's absolutely lovely. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. So what should I do a reading for? Um, well, let's just see. Um, for what we, are, what we are sharing by doing this show. Okay. Why not? Yeah. We sometimes we'll do something for what we think is the reason, mm-hmm. and and something else will emerge. So go on. Well, I think this is actually interesting because I decided to just pull one card. This is the card that I was meditating on this morning. So, the Queen of Cups, wow. which is um, cups usually represents emotions, um, intuition, um, and then Queen is you know the maternal, feminine sort of mastering of that. Um, so it could represent a lot of different things. Typically, it can it represents. Um, sort of a mothering figure, someone who's caring, deeply nurturing, sharing, and taking care of. The feeling that I'm getting from it is sort of taking care of and nurturing. Brilliant. Um, which is great. <laughs> which that also, energy around the world as we speak. Brilliant. <laughs> which is great because I don't know um, a whole lot about the history of your show and like everything that you've been talking about, but it sounds like it's a place for people to go to find some sort of um, compassion and understanding of people who, you know, have something to share that's inspiring to them. So that's, that's great. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's definitely what I'm, what I've been lucky enough to <laughs> to do. Yeah, yeah. To start with, I was just talking about what uh, the understanding I've reached about reality and how we can participate in it, and then out of the woodwork and friendships all these people have done extraordinary things yeah. and, uh, and, and created, cultivated their own understanding and own vision. Uh, kind of, we're kind of pooling our resources in yeah. a good way, I yeah. think. Next, I think we should pause for a little bit of music. Uh, I think it's going to be... A cover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can't be more specific than that. No, it's a secret. <laughs> uh, no, actually, a Seattle-based band called The Head and the Heart. Oh, lovely. Um, I really like them a lot. Oh. Have nice stuff. That wasn't it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Quite experimental. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a little out there. Might they kind of take you on as a supporting act or Yes, if anyone's out there. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah. Some percussion. Yeah. Anything really. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, but no, I think this song is called Winter Song. Winter Song by the Heart of the Heart.
I think we should finish on that note because that was absolutely lovely. And uh, I feel a definite sing-song coming on now. Just <laughs> keep on going into the evening, into the night. Uh, so thank you very much for talking to me. Yeah, and uh, thank you. Hopefully uh, we'll communicate again on the next mission. <laughs> and perfectly, we have a song about communication called Communication by my new album by Amber Seed hoping I'll be talking to uh, them about their album this time next week, so speak to you then. And in the meantime, have an absolutely brilliant week and report in if you've got any questions or any observations uh, to Frank Mixlam on Facebook or www.healingbyfrank.com. So listen out for both these two. That's both Mahalia Lynn Diamond uh, first singing singer songwriter, um, up and coming most definitely, and Abby Zula, uh, her Facebook page is Tea and Tarot. So if you'd love a reading, that's where to communicate with her. And of course, this next song is by Amber Seed, and that is Sean DeFeo's ambient album, A Medium Slower Than Air, the ambient sessions. So. All these things to enjoy and all the very best. I highly recommend getting your journals out now and for the, just for the next 10 minutes and, and just see what happens. <laughs> 